Our next reading is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning at the first verse. Therefore, since it is by God's mercy that we are engaged in this ministry, we do not lose heart. We have renounced the shameful things that one hides. We refuse to practice cunning or to falsify God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves to the conscience of everyone in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our bodies. For while we live, we are always being given up to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. But just as we have the same spirit of faith that is in accordance with the scripture, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will bring us with you into his presence. Yes, everything is for your sake. So that grace, as it extends to more and more people, may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure, because we do not look at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. So this is our second meditation on what it means to be alive in Christ. If you're tuning in for the first time, you can go to our church website and watch the worship service, participate in the worship service that we first aired last Sunday as we meditated on this same thing, uh, being alive in Christ, as Paul speaks to us in his letter to the Romans. Our text last week was Romans chapter five, where we learned that God loves us, God will not allow us to remain in sin. God does not want us dead in sin. God wants us alive, fully alive. God wants us to know the joy of living in the power of the resurrection. And you can go to our website, www.faithabq.org, and you'll see that worship video from last week. Thanks to Facebook, I'm once again in touch with friends and classmates and teammates that I haven't 
talked to in some instances for over 50 years. It's an amazing thing to be in communication with people again after half a century has gone by. And as it turns out, many of my friends from yesteryear are active disciples of Jesus Christ. They're involved in the life of their congregations across the country. They're teachers, they're volunteers, many are lay leaders. I've had so many heartwarming and enriching conversations with my friends from yesteryear as we share what it means to live each day in God's grace. And as we uh, share what it means to be faithful to God and living the life that is ours in him during the challenging times that are facing the church today. And I'm not just talking about COVID-19. We live in a world long before this pandemic uh, started taking place that is so very different than the world that my peers knew when we were teenagers. And it's not just the world that has changed. I mean, we've changed as well. I was in conversation recently with one of my buddies from junior high school when I lived at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, and I reminded him of that track meet where he was assigned to run the one mile race, four laps around the track for the very first time. He'd never done it before. And when um, that race started, he sprinted out like Forrest Gump out in front of the pack. And we thought for sure he was gonna run out of gas, but at the end of the first lap, he was still in the lead, second lap, his lead increased third lap. He maintained the distance and we were all screaming and yelling as he crossed the finish line 30, 40 yards of here ahead of the of the nearest competitor. That was an amazing day. And he did it for the first time. He ever ran a mile. And then he reminded me of that same track meet when yours truly happened to come in first place on a 440. And for you younger people who are wondering what's a 440, that's 440 yards. We didn't. Uh, measure things in track and field events in terms of meters in those old days. And after reminiscing, he and I, about the glory days of life so long ago, we started talking about present realities. We started talking in the spirit of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, how our outer nature is wasting away. It's hard for us to believe that we used to be so strong, so fast, so young, so lean. These days, he told me he'd be happy if he could walk half a mile without pain in his knees. And I told him that I run as fast as I used to, but only in my dreams. Though our bodies are not what they used to be, he and I rejoiced in the blessing that our inner nature is being renewed every day through the wonderful grace of God made known to us in Jesus Christ. Because of God's mercy and goodness, we don't lose heart, even though our knees are aching, other parts too, our strides are shorter, and our strength is decreasing with every passing year. I want you to listen to the words of our lesson today in a paraphrase of the Bible called the message. This is a very popular version of the Bible, and it goes like this. Even though on the outside it looks often like things are falling apart on us, on the inside where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. And it's this wonderful grace available to each and every one of us, young and old, that makes our hearts fully alive. And because of this grace, 
because of hearts made alive in Christ, from childhood to the end of life as we know it in this world, when we move into the next life that is eternal, there are some things that we celebrate. There are some things that we know. There are some things that Paul teaches us uh, in this portion of his letter. Not once, but twice, he reminds us, we do not lose heart. Not because we're so strong, not because we've got it all figured out, not because life doesn't come to us with challenges and disappointments. We don't lose heart because it is by God's mercy that all of us, that we are engaged in this ministry of love and truth in Jesus' name. We don't lose heart because of God. And we don't lose heart as we are engaged in this ministry, all of us. But what happened, what might change if you thought of your home, your school, your neighborhood, your workplace as the environment, the context, the setting, the mission field into which God has called you to ministry. One of the great tragedies in the church today is that so many people wrongly think that only pastors and evangelists and missionaries are in the ministry. When I've reconnected with some of those friends from yesteryear, they've said, Bruce, when did you uh, start in the ministry? When did you begin in the ministry? Well, I began in the ministry as a child when I first knew Jesus. And it was later in life that God called me to this particular ministry of being a pastor. But all of us, you in Christ are called to daily ministry. Some people think, well, pastors are called to ministry and other people can too if they teach Sunday school or serve as an usher or sing in the choir or volunteer at the church. But that's not the extent of the truth either because if only those precious few people are in ministry and the rest of us are not, well then I guess we all will lose heart because the majority of us aren't engaged and this is simply not true. Our ancestors in the faith, especially our Lutheran ancestors, uh, made changes in the church's proclamation that were thought by many to be revolutionary, even heretical. But these changes weren't really changes at all. They were simply a return to the biblical truth that had always been there. And one of these truths that appeared to be a change is the right understanding that all the baptized, not just clergy, are in this priesthood of all believers. I'm gonna read for you in the Bible, the New Testament from 1 Peter. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You see, Peter is not writing to a, a gathering of pastors at some theological conference. Paul wasn't doing that either when he wrote to the church in Corinth. These letters are addressed to the entire church, to all God's people, people who worked with their hands, people who grew food, people who were in business, people who raised children at home. Uh, Peter and Paul are telling all the people of God, all the folks, they're telling you, if you follow Jesus, you're in ministry every day in all the places where you live and move and have your being. Now, when we think about 
our homes and our workplaces, we have to admit that sometimes that's very frustrating. And some of you are learning new things about patience as we are staying in these shelter at home um, days, these requirements not to venture out. And don't things happen in the workplace and even in our homes that are frustrating? Yes. Don't things happen in your life that are disappointing and difficult? Yes. It happens to all of us. Yet as Christians, we don't lose heart in the midst of all these frustrations and difficulties because God is continually at work. He's not done with us. He's continuing to work his grace in our hearts and our minds, even when we're going through tough times and difficult days. And that leads us to a second lesson, a second insight to be learned from our reading today. We are being prepared, says Paul, for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. We are being prepared. Friends, this life is not all there is. This life is preparation. When we think that this life is it, that nothing matters once we breathe our last breath, that's the end of the line, the end of the story, then we fall into all kinds of schemes and lies and dangers and falsehoods. When we think that this life is it, then we will determine who's successful and who's a, a stinking failure based on worldly standards instead of the standards in the kingdom of God. And our Lord Jesus is the king of love. If you follow the line of thinking that there is no heaven, there is no hell, this life is all there is. Well, then the winner is simply the one who succeeds in accumulating more and more. And then most of the people wind up as losers with very little by comparison. And we fall into that trap, don't we? We measure success in this world all the time. You get measured. You get measured by worldly standards. You may even from time to time be tempted to measure and size up other people. And none of those yardsticks, none of those measurements mean a thing compared to the glory that awaits those who live for Christ and who live in Christ. That glory is beyond all measure. Having a heart fully alive in Christ requires us to understand that we're really on this earth only for a short while compared to the eternal life that awaits us. And so a heart fully alive in God's grace requires us, it requires us to start thinking like Jesus and daring to live like Jesus. And Christ made one thing his aim every day, to glorify his Father in everything he said and did. Now, it's different for ordinary humans like you and me. We're not Jesus. We can't think or live like Jesus without help, a lot of help, without mercy. In fact, the scriptures say we can't begin to live this new life with hearts fully alive unless we're crucified, unless we die to sin, unless it's put to death, the old you, the old me, so that God can raise us up in newness of life in Christ. And so we need something new, something real, something powerful to make this change. And that brings us to Paul's third lesson. 
He has done something, God has. God's love has shown in our hearts and we have knowledge of truth. We have knowledge of truth. Many people these days are willing to think of Jesus as a nice person, a wise teacher, a spiritual guide, a prophet. Nice people can help us. I hope you have some nice people in your life. Wise teachers can assist us. Lord knows I was assisted in countless ways by wise teachers when I was in junior high 50 years ago in Leavenworth, Kansas. I thank God for those wise teachers. Spiritual guides, they can guide us on a path that seems best to them, but none of them can shine the light of God's love in our hearts like Jesus, because none of them are God. Not one is the word made flesh. I want you to listen to what Jesus told us in John's gospel. This is chapter 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I'm going. But Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Now, I want you to think, when do you normally hear this lesson read in a sanctuary, in a church building? It's at funerals and memorial services, right? And for good reason. It's important to remember when we gather for the death of a coworker, a friend, a loved one, that Jesus has already gone ahead of him, ahead of her, to prepare a place for them, an eternal home. It's good to hear this at funerals. But I submit to you, this is not just a good lesson, a good reading, when someone dies. It's important for the living. It's important for you to know and understand so that you can really live the life that God wants for you. And it only happens when you know him and understand him, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. And when you know Jesus, you don't know simply a wise teacher. You know the living God, you know truth. And when you know truth in a world filled with so many lies, well, then nothing can remain the same. It was a long time ago that I could run 440 yards in less than 50 seconds. But the God who gave me the strength to do that then is the same God who gives me the ability to serve him now, even though my outer nature, my knees and so many other parts of this 62-year-old body are wasted away. I want you to think this morning for a while. I want you to reflect. Where were you 50 years ago? And to all of my younger brothers and sisters at Faith who are snickering right now because you weren't even born, well, where were you 15 years ago? 
five years ago. And in light of what's going on around the world right now, think of what you were doing, what life was like just five months ago, maybe five weeks. Think of all the changes around us. Think of all the changes in you since then. In a changing world, we worship a God who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is the one shining the light of his love into your heart right now, right now, through all the changes and all the seasons of life. I don't care where you've been or what you've done, God loves you, and he wants you alive to his love and dead to sin, dead to your past, because it doesn't own you anymore. God owns you. God wants you because he loves you. And he wants to fill your heart, your head, and your home with love. May the peace that far surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord this day and until we see the Savior face to face forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.